Hi everyone, welcome back to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Fraz. I'm Redacted. Ryan. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Redacted. And I'm Miss Ryan. And we're, <laughs> I don't know, I wanted to have like a... The Cheetah Girls. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yes, we are here with Miss Ryan and we're so excited Ooh. about it. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I've always wanted to say that on a podcast. Yeah. People are very excited that you're here. Like, oh, I'm very extremely. They're like, if you guys could actually delete yourselves off the calendar invite and then just add Miss Ryan, that would be phenomenal. I'd call her right now. Right now. <laughs> Do you have her home address? <laughs> So, Miss Ryan, what was your, let's talk about your Joker origin story. What made you get up out of there? Oh boy. Well, well, well. Last year was rough. I don't know if y'all heard there was a pandemic. It was ass. I will say I did a decent job teaching in the, like, the first year of the pandemic. Social studies was the only content that grew, but we also, like, didn't have to do masks. And we had 100% capacity for most of the year. Texas. Yeehaw. The nail in the coffin was when, I feel like if I say the name, she will be summoned, but libs of TikTok just sent me the sweetest of friends. <laughs> there she is. She's behind you. I used to want to like poke the bear before because I thought it was just a funny thing. I was like, these people are going to be whatever. And then it happened and I was like, mm, certifiably cuckoo bananas. But then they found out where I worked and they posted where I worked and they stalked the school Facebook page and like put a picture of my classroom number and told everyone which classroom I was in. Someone found my address. But um, that was rough. My school was incredibly supportive. I was really disappointed with how my district handled it. And then that was just like, that was in September of last school year. So that was early. It was just like the veil had been lifted, you know? The kids were great. It just, it was hard to click after that. And so I made the decision really early in the school year, but just didn't tell anyone. And then I think at some point redacted, you got a job outside of school. And I was like, Miss Queen, what did you do? Where are you going? How do I do that? That helped. See that you were able to do that because I was like, I know it can happen. It was so funny because in August, right before the whole lives thing, my cooperating teacher, when I did my internship or student teaching, she messaged me and was like, hey, we have a curriculum specialist position. Would you like to do it? And it was August and I was hopeful. I was like, brand new school year. No, thank you so much for thinking of me, but I really got to stick this out. You know, I got my contract. Then the September happened and I was like, hey girl, you still got that job? She did not. But then she texted me in like April and was like, job's open. Let's do this. And so I applied and the school system that I work for now is really, especially in Texas, incredibly focused on anti-racist curriculum. And so just like knowing that that was out there, I was like nothing, literally nothing could make me go back into a classroom other than the children. But I digress. It's just hard to go back once you've seen all the issues. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your role now. Like you don't have to be like, this is my work now, but like, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> like, what's your day to day like? Yeah, so I work from home, which is the best of the best. I really can't believe that I've gone from a job that requires 200% energy and positivity and middle schoolers to working at my home. Love that for me. Are you with the same age group? Yes, yeah. So they hired me for high school and ended up moving me to middle school, which is really dope because I get to write Texas history and U.S. history lesson plans. And I know that we make fun of Texas history, but I 
love it. You really have to teach it from the non-dominant narrative because there's a lot of indigenous people and poor decisions along the way, <laughs> but it's so much fun to teach. So what I do day to day is I do the thing that I didn't have time to do when I was teaching and I get to write inquiry-based lesson plans for students to like investigate questions and then find the answers on their own. It's anti-racist. We try to make sure that we write our lesson plans not from the dominant narrative. It's just like a dream come true. I didn't know this existed. I've just got a great team and I've got a great support system and it's a world's difference. I also yeah. love that you're doing middle school curriculum because I taught high school U.S. history and most of my kids middle school civics and history experience was basically like let's do reading push in via social studies so they mm -hmm. had a lot of deficits in background knowledge of social studies. Controversial opinion but I'm very pro how Texas like partially requires kids to learn their state's history. Obviously the way we go about it can vary and that there's ways to do it better than others but I think like something that's positive in social studies education is having it be very localized and having it be based on where you live because civics and history looks so different because our country is like giant ass wasteland of various different histories and cultures and everything so i'm very against like the federal government controlling social studies curriculum for that reason i'm very pro local history in the classroom yeah that's what we do you guys are like little history buffs i feel like i'm gonna get smarter just talking to you is there anything that would like make you go back to teaching in the classroom? I feel like Redacted mentioned this somewhere in the thousands of spheres that I follow you and interact with you on. Unless they raise the pay, I'm just not sure that I could because it would be such a pay cut. Like I'm not big balling over here, but it's such a significant change in compensation. I would love to. What made me so strong as a teacher, obviously my lessons were good. Also humble brag, I this school year earned the only distinction in all of the middle schools in our district of any content. No ELA, no science, no nothing. But what made me such a good teacher was that I was so good with the kids. My relational skills were extremely strong. As I'm writing lesson plans, I'm realizing that's not something that you can write in. And so I got hired because of my personality and my relational skills. And now I'm in a situation where I can't put them on paper. I would teach every piece of history with analogies like relevant to my students' life. I don't I don't know what your students are going through. I don't know who your students are. Your role right now, I used to have a you. Like I used to have someone that would, was my curriculum specialist my first year, helped me a ton. And I'm wondering like, do you interact with teachers a ton? Cause ours was, she was very local and like she was in that classroom. Like she had group read and then afterwards was like, queen, that lesson was not good. Like, <laughs> No, I really don't get to interact with teachers that much. I get to observe lessons like once a month, but a lot of times we have people in each region who will go and observe classrooms and then they will send me videos. So I get to watch videos of these people doing the lessons that I've written, which is just mind blowing. I I don't actually like talk to them like I'm not like a coach mm -hmm. I'm just like the history expert got it now I'm on this side of um, education have y'all ever been to a PD and then they give you an exit survey and you're like horrific this is never how we would teach this to children every exit survey I've ever gotten has turned into a therapy session. I railed on those bad boys I was like this is not best practices I got in trouble on my review because they were like, you don't give actual feedback. And I was like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I thought she was really good at that. Do you get those? Are people being nice? <laughs> no. 
I get all of the feedback that's like, you can tell she's very far removed from the classroom. And I'm like, I'm really not. I was there in May. I'm like, okay, I have to learn how to separate myself from feedback in this position. Because I'm like, I get it. Well, now I'm on Zoom all the time. I don't know about y'all in Zoom meetings. I am the goodiest of goody two shoes. Like I'm given all the nonverbal cues. People will send me like the private messages or slacks and they're like, girl, stop. Like, (laughs) sorry, I want them to like me. Same. I'm in the chat, like, making jokes. I have to ask this question because I, we got a one-star review about it. <laughs> what can we do about some of these issues? Like, does that, is that a good way oh, to I ask guess, that? I, I don't yeah, know. so, like, you're trying to be, like, solution. We're trying to be solution-oriented. So, I mean... I think we could all talk in circles about what we could do to improve the education system. What somebody could do is value education and compensate experts as experts. But I also think like on a small scale, schools need to take a lot of time to pause. Everything moves so fast and even the best of the best and the most well-intentioned people get extremely stressed out. I've had great APs and principals in the past who just simply can't perform their duties because they have to deal with a fuckload more than I have to deal with and they get burned out. And I think everybody just needs to like purposefully slow down, ask your coworkers and your friends what they need, ask teachers what they need. Honestly, just ask them what they want. Like, I feel like a lot of people just feel unheard and unsupported. And I think that any level of administration would be shocked if they realize that just like supporting someone in the most basic human way could actually stop somebody from quitting. Absolutely. Yeah, I, my first year, two years, I had a not fantastic principal and it was like night and day when we got a good principal who tried his hardest and really wanted to connect with people. And then another thing that, I mean, y'all are doing in this podcast is just raising awareness. Teacher circles talk about this all the time. Anybody in or adjacent to education knows what we need to do to fix it, but it's kind of just like branching it out to people outside of education. I'm always going to be a good proponent for public education and valuing teachers. And so it's like, I'm kind of annoying. I think the people in my life are bothered at the fact that I'm like, yes, but where did you learn that? Oh, is it a public school? Hmm. It's almost as if. (laughs) Yeah. But you have to make people think about it. Redacted and I were just on Teach Stone's podcast, mm-hmm. and we were talking about their audience being policymakers and administrators. And one of the things that you stated right in the beginning, Ms. Ryan, is listening to teachers. And I feel like that gets lost in translation because it's so simple, right? Like, listen to teachers. They're, they're speaking up. Listen to them. But when it really comes down to it, people are listening to the board members. They're listening to administration and up. Going into classrooms and talking to teachers is the most valuable thing you can do because teachers, we are so freaking sick of people making policies for us that make no sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's bonkers. Also, with the amount of airtime that public education gets on news and on social media in such a negative manner, and people come into all of our comments like, oh, no, I know what y'all are doing in that school. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, But I had one time, and I will say of all the nasty comments ever, I chose one time 
to not be a brat and make a video just explaining. I was like, I think you just need a little bit of context about this situation. And this person totally turned their mindset. They were like, honestly, I never, I didn't know about it like that. I hadn't thought of it. I really appreciate you just like breaking it down for me. And I was like, oh, okay. So maybe I should do the catch flies with honey kind of thing. <laughs> Actually just give people context. Another hope that I have in terms of like being solutions oriented, is it's so easy to say things like, oh, this policymaker should change this one thing but at the end of the day like we've seen in history like Mitch Ryan you know this time and time again the only thing that works is grassroots and the only thing that works is when lots of people get involved so I think one of the things that might be the driving factor and that I hope is the driving factor is for parents and other stakeholders within children's lives to start volunteering in classrooms so what you mentioned about giving support Something that I valued so, so much as a teacher is once me and my curriculum specialist, like I was up and running on lesson planning, she would say, she'd be like, what dumb labor do you need? And she would file papers, she would update my student work board. Like, so I think administrators, coworkers as teachers, parents, don't be afraid to volunteer yourself as a dumb labor because even as you're there organizing the little bins, filing some stuff away, you're gonna hear things, you're gonna see things and it's gonna make you feel more involved. And I think that's gonna be the catalyst for change is the more people that get involved and Mm -hmm. see what's going on. Do y'all follow, gosh, I hope I say it right. Do y'all follow Ashel Knock? She always starts her videos with, hey fuckers. And she's got like a mug says, hey fuckers. Yeah, I love her. Love her. I'm obsessed with her. She volunteered at her kid's school for like lunch duty one day and she made a video and she was like teachers <laughs> bless your soul we need to be paying you minimum a hundred thousand dollars i did not stop talking those kids did not stop asking me questions blah blah, blah blah i was like see not that she had a poor image of teachers before but just doing one day of lunch duty putting yourself in those shoes for 30 minutes can change somebody's entire perspective i'm telling you that is a hundred percent every parent that has come with me on a field trip volunteered in my room or has come for a class party in kindergarten. It's like I'm dripping in sweat. I'm like, thank you so much for coming. Um, Come over here. Those are the parents that have the deepest respect for me and we have the tightest relationship. And that's all I want in my classroom is to build relationship with people, students, adults, everyone. Mm -hmm. But the criticism that I've heard about volunteers in the classroom time and time again is that people coming into my classroom being like, let me do dumb labor. Those are the people there for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. But there are some people, and I've had some volunteers in my classroom who come into your room, try to catch you. They wanna see something. And when they come in and they don't, like that's great. But then there are people that come in and they're like, I saw this child say this to that child and you didn't see it because you were on the other side of the room. And they wanna make it like a challenge. That's the double-edged sword. Parents have so much power. Oh, I had a volunteer in my classroom. Actually, it was a district personnel come in one time. And I had like a lot of like, I had a sign that literally said anti-racist. I had my Black Lives Matters flags. Like I was very vocal in my classroom. And so I pulled her aside at the end and I was like, hey, queen, I did notice that you were taking pictures. And it turned out so fine. She was like, no, 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 I'm so sorry. My daughter is really into this stuff. And I wanted to take pictures to show her that she can use her voice like this in the classroom. And I was like, oh girl, sorry. I almost called security on you. I'm really glad I addressed that. But it was a really nice moment. But like parents have so much power, double-edged sword. We're seeing the power that they hold when people think that we're indoctrinating kids. And the the catalyst in this, parent voices. If we could just Mm -hmm. harness the positive parent voices, imagine the change. Mm -hmm. And I also think a lot of parents 
are hesitant to volunteer because they are worried they're not gonna do it right or they're like oh I don't know if I can commit to that so if you're a parent listening to this and you're like volunteering seems like I don't know about that contact your children's teachers even 20 minutes during dismissal duty if you just want to come 20 minutes early one day obviously it varies by school and there's rule you can't just like pull up to a school and be like hey I'm ready to hang out like the harnessing positive parent voices I think is the way of the future like you were saying so if you're a positive parent voice and you're worried you don't have anything to contribute you do even just your presence is a contribution so don't be hesitant to volunteer if you don't have classroom experience you don't like other people's kids and even like if you, you don't have time to volunteer send your kids teachers just an email and be like hey I've heard how much my kid loves your class send I have cried over many of those emails and feel free a principal, CC a district leader, CC any district emails you see. Thank you for bringing this up. That's like an amazing five minute way that you can make your child's teacher's life better and easier and help them get recognition. That never happened to me. I just would <laughs> be cool if it did. And that's awesome because you want people who respect teachers, who want to better our education system, you want those people talking about specific teachers when that teacher is not in the room. You want them to be bringing yeah. positivity to the space. I will say one of the good things to come out of COVID is Zoom board meetings. I mean, because who can go to a board meeting mm -hmm. on a weekday at 6.30 p.m. when you have a kid? I mean, just being informed is great or reading the minutes if you can't. I think that's A plus as well. Absolutely. And also on the alternative side, I worked in a district that was not great about stuff like that so for an example our union meetings were held on weeknights very far out from the center of the district were in person only had no zoom option nothing and they also didn't publicize them over a week in advance so you couldn't really plan get a sitter things like that and same thing with a lot of district meetings were that way so if you're a parent in an area where it is that way and you feel like you can't advocate because you don't have a way to engage feel free to complain. Like, feel free to call that district hotline and be like, I'm a parent and I can't attend these school board meetings because you don't have a Zoom option. It's not a bug, it's a feature. Exactly. You have to make it easier to appease you than ignore you. I love that. It's my life motto. Miss Ryan, I have to, because you taught US history, I have to nerd out with you for a little bit. What's your favorite history thing to teach children? I think this answer was a lot different before January 6th, but I love teaching the Constitution because it's like my favorite thing to talk to my students about how our founding fathers built in checks and balances and all of these principles of government to avoid the possibility of a tyrannical ruler. I was teaching the War of 1812 and I was like, the last time that anybody has breached the Capitol building was the British in the War of 1812. That day, MAGA had oh breached the Capitol building for the first time since the War of 1812. And I was like, not you manifesting Awesome. It. My bad, everybody. Yeah. So I do apologize to the federal government for that. I miss teaching high school history because I really like teaching like the civil rights era, but like specifically just 1969. Oh. I had a teacher at the first school that I did my student teaching at who had a community college course where that was the only year they studied as an entire semester. That's amazing. Because so much stuff happened that year. I love teaching history. History is the most fun ever. And U.S. history. I just get to tell stories. Right? It's literally just gossiping. That's what I miss is just being able to sit there, like literally sit like this in my desk and be like, you're not going to believe this. Oh, <laughs> Andrew Jackson. That was another, like, hate the guy. I was like, I'm about to teach you about this guy. Ass hat. Awful. And I'm like, listen to this. And 
my kids love Andrew Jackson because I'm always like, and guess what? He didn't listen to the rules. Oh, and guess what? Didn't listen to the rules. And they're like, Miss, did he get in trouble? I'm like, no, never. Oh, I wish I had history teachers like you guys. I'm literally right here. Ms. Ryan, I do have a question for you though. So now that you're supporting teachers, what's happening this year? What do you feel like teachers right now are facing? Like how, how are the vibes in Texas? That's a great question. So I don't talk to teachers as much as I would like to. And I led APD two weeks ago and I just kind of opened up the floor. How's everybody feeling? I was like, you know, I was in the classroom last year. What do y'all think? Like, is it better than last year? Worse than last year? And it was almost split 50-50. Like half of the teachers were like, it is so much worse than last year, which that made me sweaty. I was like, ah, didn't know. Okay. And then half were like, oh my God, it's so much better. So I I don't know. I have no idea. I, I've, I've talked to a couple of my friends from my old school and it seems very like not as bad as the behaviors at the beginning of the year last year, but still not on par for where these behaviors should be because shocker of the century. COVID was extremely traumatic to children's upbringing and development. The, the most teacher thing ever just happened to me. I was playing with this little squishy fidget ball and it, it exploded. <laughs> it exploded. No. This is exactly what it feels like to teach middle school. Where you're like, put it up. <laughs> you're trying to have like a productive conversation about the future. And I'm like, it exploded. <laughs> I threw up. Have y'all ever had those like kick strips on the edge of the oh, seat? Oh yeah, the bouncy bands. Yes. Um, I had those for the very first time last year and I had so many children. I'm teaching, I'm in a flow and I'm like, and then Lincoln did this and Lincoln did that. And then you hear that and the kid goes, ah, oh, and I'm like, what did you do? Did you break it? And it whipped you. We call that a natural consequence in the natural biz. Natural consequence. <laughs> Teaching little kids is so different. I really could never be y'all because what I would do is literally, if they were in the back of the room doing something, I would go, <laughs> <laughs> No, I would do that too. I love the, oh no, if it isn't the consequences of your actions. Oh yeah. My other favorite is, I wish someone had warned you about this a couple minutes prior. I had a kid that realized that he could disrupt class like very specifically to get me to not just keep it pushing. Like it wasn't enough to go to the calm down cor corner. Like he would unplug my projector. I tell a story about this kid every week. He would unplug my projector and be like, and I was, or he would shut the lights off. One time he took his water bottle and dumped it like this on a child's head. Another time he went into my IA's desk and she had a hot chocolate from Starbucks and he opened it, opened her backpack and poured it in. Or he oh, would take time a box off. of like Unifix cubes and just hook it across the room over his head. And I was like, yeah, that'll do it. That I cannot say, friend, are you okay? Do you need a minute? I have to actually, you've injured someone. So now yeah. I have to. You're like, this has turned into a very different conversation. Unfortunately, you cannot waterboard the other students within the walls of my classroom. But did you say that in your classroom expectations? I know, right? I don't see that on the rules. Did you offer the student another choice for where to pour their water bottle? Perhaps <laughs> your head? Honest to God, it was like... Oh, did you not give him a sticker then? He didn't get his sticker, did he? And then I'm like, yeah, he's pissed that he didn't get iPad time because I didn't give him the damn token. <laughs>
should have known better for us. I do. I will say about those kids, they're really, they're too smart for their own good because they know exactly when to do a certain amount of what to do. And I'm like, one day you're going to be brilliant. But right now, chill the fuck out. Right now you're driving me insane. But like, I love that child. I, I like cried every day at the time, but now I'm like, I love him. How's he doing? I remember right before the pandemic hit, there was a day in Southern California. It was like torrential downpour and nobody could get him to calm down. He took an admin's umbrella and ran out the back door and was in the parking lot doing circles, trying to climb the gate. And he took the umbrella and went boom, 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 and broke it so that it was like, and I had no jacket that day, no appropriate shoes. I'm in like sandals, bawling hysterically at lunch in the room. Like, what did come inside? I mean, it was heinous. So when the pandemic hit, I was like, lit, like, okay. <laughs> What really got me the most from that story was the unplugging of the projector. I don't know why that triggered me like so hard, but if a child unplugged my projector, I think I'd have to take a sick day the rest of the day. I'd be like, I can't do this with you. I already had the issue of you could not plug too many things in on the same wall or else the power would go out, but not all of it. Like just that one wall's outlets and half the lights. This is just like emblematic of Florida spending. So I taught at a public school in Florida that was absolutely freezing every day. My classroom was usually 60 degrees because the district controlled our AC. So my classroom was always freezing. So I had a couple space heaters in my room and I would always tell them like, we don't plug space heaters into extension cords and we don't plug space heaters into the projector wall. Like you can use them, you can plug it in by your seat, whatever, but don't do one of those two things. At least once a week, I would call my AP and be like, yep, power's out. If you could just come flip the breaker. And I was like, can y'all just give me the key at this point? Cause like, I know where it is. I know how to flip a breaker and they do it every day. I can't like, believe y'all are allowed to have space heaters. We were not. Oh, okay. Even better. <laughs> no one ever said anything to me, but one time my department head was like, just so you know, that's like super not allowed. And I was like, okay. And then one time the AP said something about it. He was like, a couple space heaters you got in here. And I was like, couple unsafe working conditions you got in here. It's almost like you're spending our tax dollars on making it 58 degrees in this room when it's currently 91 outside. Like, I would love to not need a space heater in the place that I work. Like open up floodgates, here's some other of my wants and needs. <laughs> Speaking of, the Wi-Fi speed in here is absolutely horrendous. I actually made an appointment for the Xfinity guy to come to my classroom to give me new Wi-Fi and I was just going to pay for it because I was like, I physically cannot deal with this anymore. And then the school district was like, you can't do that. They're like, you can't just get your own Wi-Fi. And I was like, why? They were like, because then you could be looking at anything. And it's a random man coming into the school and I was like he's coming at four the kids are gone they were deeply confused so now that you you're teaching adjacent now so do you think for your future and your life and your dreams and your goals um, do you think you're gonna stay teaching adjacent and want to work more with teachers move away from education and work with other do you have any, like what are your vibes in terms of your future what do you think is out there for you that's a great question i i would love to continue to do what i'm doing like something education related i want it to be history and i want my activism to be in there as well and so like, I love the thought of returning to public school 
and kind of doing what I'm doing, but at a public school level. I don't know if that's necessarily realistic, but like in a perfect world, if I could be in social studies curriculum and instruction, for the rest of my life, that would be fantastic. Like I'm now that I have free time and good mental health, I'm considering going to get a master's in social studies curriculum. But it's like, there's also a part of me that just wants to go get a master's in history because I think that would be fantastic. But then I have to be realistic and like, what would I, what job would I use that for? But I also don't know, like, I love this job. I would love to stay here for years and years and years. But I'm wondering, like, if there's a next step, would it be curriculum and instruction at a corporate scenario where I'm still doing some form of leadership and training, but just in a different avenue? But like, I really love history and social studies. So like, I would love to just be a history nerd for the rest of my life. As a fellow history nerd who now does corporate trainings, still love training, still love supporting others learning, but nothing hits like history. Like me saying, here's how to send a marketing email blast is just never gonna hit the same as like, I have a secret to tell you about the CIA. <laughs> Lean in close. I'm actually not supposed to tell you this about Ronald Reagan. Like, draw the curtains. You're going to lose your mind when you hear about the government's milk buying practices. Like, have you ever heard of a little secret called MKUltra? Fraz, any other topics? Anything else you wanted to... No, yeah, I think that's great. And I'm so thankful that you came and hung out with us and talked with us, Miss Ryan, because I love your content and I love you as a human. And I think it's just great to get to spend this time. I just think you have so many worthwhile things to say. And I think everyone who listens to this episode is really going to benefit from your perspective and your experiences. Me too. And Thank I also you. love that you were teaching and now you're still in education, but not actively teaching. Because I think so many people outside of education and people within education education don't realize how big education is and how many jobs there are that are not teacher and like how at the end of the day the school system is a massive organization the same way a company is the same way a local government is and there's tons of different people all doing different things to make the school system go round and so I think it's very cool to get the perspective of someone who's in education, supporting learning, supporting classrooms in a way that's not like what first comes to mind. I really, I should make a video. I've had a couple of people ask like, what does your job entail? And I really need to like sit down and make a video because like you said, I also get those people in my comments that are like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. What do you do? Like, how did you find that job? What do you do? And you're right. Like people don't realize that there are coaches and achievement specialists, curriculum specialists. There's a huge unseen world of of education that uh, a lot of people could harness their passions and their talents and uh, we gotta let them know but I'm just so excited that y'all invited me we would invite you constantly like literally next time you want to come let us know when y'all do your call-in episode we really should like Delilah radio channel style we should do like a gossip one though where you can like call and we'll like give you advice yes I love that can it be all three of us yeah, and then we, okay. can vote. we can have scorecards. Block him. I love <laughs> this. It can be education advice and beyond. Yeah, and we've got all grade bands represented here. We do. We're a panel. Okay, we're doing <laughs> this. I'm going to figure this we're out because this is amazing. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to share this episode with all of you. Please, if you like this episode, only if you like it, review it. Um, if you don't like it, we're going to keep some secrets to ourselves. Please don't post that shit. Just kidding. You're... <laughs> 
you don't like it, if you can handle that in the DMs and not on a public review, that would be great. Thank you so We're much. Very sensitive. Thank you. Ms. Ryan, thank you so much for being on Teacher Quit Talk and talking about your quitting and your talking and your teaching. I'm good at teaching, quitting, and talking. You do all three at once. I'm just thrilled to have been here. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. We love you. <laughs>